In the new world, you want to be successful, you need to be able to touch people in the head and the heart. My personal mantra is about always looking ahead. I'm practically never looking back. The new kit on the block is speed. And the way to do it is together. Putting employees at the top. And the management is there to support. Yep. What I try to do is learn from anybody. Grasp any moment that you have to give feedback and get feedback. You are not there to please everybody and you are not there to remain in the status quo. This is Jarno TV, my name is Hendrik Deckers. I'm here today with Geert Standard, CTO at Proximus here in Brussels. Geert graduated as a master in civil engineering from the University of Ghent. He's worked 25 years at Proximus where he grew from line manager to chief technology officer where he has a team of more than 3,000 experts. And he has been a member of the executive committee here since 2012, awarded CTO uh, of the year in 2017. Proximus is a group with uh, telco and ICT companies that operate in Belgium and in international markets. And they are the leading provider uh, here in Belgium of uh, telephony, internet, television and network-based ICT services with complete base of more than 13,600 employees. Geert, let's first talk about your uh, very nice Proximus TV project. Yeah, I've picked here a small project, but it's a beautiful one, Hendrik, um, because we did it, in fact, with uh, a small number of people. That uh, We had maximum five people on, okay. this, uh, on this team. But if you see, in fact, the, the impact that we could reach afterwards was uh, gigantic. And it is now as well the, the foundation of many other things we want to do in other domains. So in that sense, uh, a nice one. Maybe to give a bit the, the situation where we were in. And so we're talking here about our TV services. Yeah, and uh, so the TV applications we bring to our customers, but also our TV, TV backend. And the initial ambition we had was, how can we further improve the stability of our software? Okay. So this happened in the past in a rather um, traditional way, I would say. Customers that saw something uh, unwanted, they called our call centers. Mm -hmm. And then the call center agent tried to solve it from a distance. And he did as well some call coding. Uh, what happened uh, with that customer? And so that was typically all the information we got in the technical teams. Mm -hmm. And that is the way then we started trying to find, okay, what can we improve in the software? Yeah. What could it eventually be that root cause? So a kind of reactive way, I would say, of treating uh, customer unwanted behavior. Bug fixing. Voila, exact. Yeah. Bug fixing, uh, improvements of the software on stability and performance, things like that. But at a certain moment in time, we said, yeah, but we should become way more effective in this. And you have to know that we have about uh, 2 million households out there. Mm -hmm. And in those 2 million households, we have all type of equipment. Eh, we have our TV decoder, of course, yeah. but we have the modem that is there. Mm -hmm. We have uh, PLC devices, we have Wi-Fi extenders in there. And we said, what if we would now capture all the data that is available in the home of our customers? So we're talking about taking all the alarms that we see there, taking uh, all the loggings uh, that are done that are done there, mm -hmm. um, 
taking things that are uh, really going not to correlated alarms, but really going deeper into the hardware and unwanted behaviors we see at that level, mm -hmm. and inject that all in a data environment. Okay. We went even a bit further where we said, why should we restrict ourselves to the households? Because afterwards, of course, that is connected to a network outside, that is connected to applications and backend servers. So let's take all the loggings that come out of the network and the backends and bring that data as and well in. End-to-end. End-to-end. Yeah. To give you an idea, daily we're injecting more than five terabytes of data coming out of these households and the network. And then we started to bring this into a data environment mm -hmm. and we brought our data scientists in. And then those guys, they did miracles, <laughs> I would say. Uh, so, because they started to put machine learning on it, AI on it. Mm -hmm. And I remember still the day that they came to me and it was with a three-dimensional di model. Mm -hmm. And so you saw, it, it looked like the galaxy of stars. And where you had in the middle a cloud mm -hmm. uh, with all, all kind of bright points, uh, points that were lighted up. And then you had the cloud, and then you saw some stars that were way off the cloud. Mm -hmm. And then they said, here, do you know what these stars out are? All these stars are things where it goes wrong. And you know, the beauty is, we can see what is the sequence of things that leads us to a thing that goes wrong. And suddenly we found, of course, exactly why. So you could predict where problems um, would arise. Well, there is the uh, element of prediction, and I'll come later on that one. But here it was really about if a customer does a sequence of things, mm -hmm. we knew that that led to memory corruption. Okay. And if you say memory corruption, at a certain moment in time, buffers fill up and something goes wrong. So, but we knew now exactly what was the sequence of things. And of course, then we could trace that back, and then we could look at, okay, what do we need to improve uh, from a software level? To give you an idea, in one year of time, we reduced uh, the number of calls to our call center with one-third. Wow. So one-third less calls to the call center. What happens when your software is not running smooth anymore on an application? What does a customer do? Reset. Reset. <laughs> <laughs> a reboot. A reboot <laughs> is, uh, uh, okay, uh, we'll try like this, and then, yeah. of course, you clean stuff, etc., yeah. and you restart all over again. We had a reduction of the number of, and what we call the sp suspicious reboots, okay. uh, suspicious re because some people, they close down their equipment at night oh, yeah. uh, for <laughs> energy savings, etc. but those are wanted uh, uh, reboots that then happen. But sus suspicious reboot went down with two-thirds, yeah, wow. two-thirds, so which was as well another indication. Unsatisfaction, the unsatisfaction, the detractors uh, in the NPS, they went down with two-thirds, and all with this, with this project. But it does not stop here, because then we said, to your point on the, the predictive point, we said, yeah, but do we have to wait, in fact, or can we not do more with all the data that we have sitting here? Yeah, because this is all crucial data. We go back in time, and we see trends. We can maybe predict when things will go wrong. Yeah. And that is what we did. Mm -hmm. So we know what is a good experience in a household. We know what it is. So we have now a score. 
per household, which is in fact the, the health of your TV environment, but also your Wi-Fi yeah. environment. So everything, your experience that you have in your home. Huh? So we know uh, we can monitor the trends. So we started to be predictive in things. Mm -hmm. And predictive where now we have cases where we see if we will not intervene in the next coming X hours, and our objective is here, 13 hours, because 13 hours gives us the time to send out technicians to schedule that in, in a good way. Now we're not yet at the 13 hours, we're more at around the four, five hours okay. eh, of prediction. And where we can predict that if we do not intervene, that something will go wrong, and that we will have a dozens of customers that might encounter a service interruption. Mm -hmm. Now, what we already try to do is uh, react, eh, of course, on, on these things and try to send the technician out, do the replacement mm -hmm. before the customer even notices. Afterwards, we check as well the accuracy of our predictions, mm -hmm. eh, and there we want to aim at an accuracy of 95%. Eh, so that is what we aim. Not too many negative uh, no. false. No, so not too many negative false, because otherwise, okay, you're, you're sending out texts, etc., to do interventions, but yeah. it, was, it was not needed. Now, we went even a bit further. We said, okay, sometimes, of course, is it up to us to intervene or can't we, in fact, trigger the customer to take an action? Mm -hmm. yeah. So we saw through all the, the events that we correlated mm -hmm. that uh, a big, still a significant number of our customers, they had a 4K TV, so that is great, but they connect and they had a 4K uh, box uh, decoder, an HD decoder, but they connected their HD decoder with the TV not through an HDMI cable. Yeah. So of course, then your experience is, uh, is suboptimal. Yeah. So what did we do? We sent a notification on the TV screen to that segment of customers, where we said, hey customer, we can give you a tip. If you just replace that cable by an HDMI cable, you will get a way different yeah. TV experience. And for people like us who are in technical, we know about all type of cables and HDMI yeah. cables, but people that are not in the technical domain, yeah, it's, it's just, I'm just yeah. making a connection. I had this connection before, but I do not know the boxes do they have now eh, yeah. other capability. So, and uh, we have as well our My Proximus app. Eh? So we see a lot where we can, based on all the information we have, give tips. We see, for example, that some of our people, when they, they watch, for example, My Proximus TV on their tablet, mm -hmm. and when they, they move in their house, that at a certain moment in time in their house, the connection is degrading. So most probably because they are going beyond, in fact, the, the distance of the modem. Yeah. So we know for those customers that if they would put an extender yeah, to extend the, the Wi-Fi coverage, that their experience again in the home will be, will be much better. Then we have our call centers. We have our field technicians. Uh, so in the, in, the, in the past, field technicians, they were sent to a home like MacGyver's. And so they came into the home and they said, okay, what do we have to find here? Something is wrong. But they had to, to make the analysis themselves. Thank now, what we want to do, and that is only available still today with our second line experts, but we are doing all the stuff now to move that in the cockpits, the first line uh, cockpits of our technicians and our call centers, is that it's no longer MacGyver. They will have all the historical trend and they will get a recommendation. So you will say there is a 95% probability that the problem is, for example, uh, on the cable 
between uh, the home gateway and the extender uh, in the house. Of course, for a field tech, you can imagine that when you start with that type of intervention, uh, information, yeah. that your intervention becomes uh, way more uh, quicker, uh, more to the point, with a happier technician and a happier customer. So it was a small project, but with a big impact. With a big impact. So yeah. the, the investments were not too big, but the no. returns were, were quite significant. Yeah, the returns are significant. And as you already sense, uh, what we say now is we should not limit ourselves to the TV domain. Mm -hmm. What if we extend this to internet? What if we extend this to mobile experience? What if we extend this, and this is the beauty of things, on our journeys, customer journeys? Yeah. Because also on a customer journey, you can measure a lot of things that are happening. And maybe as well there, I can start to be way more predictive yeah. and where I can use machine learning and AI techniques to bring us to insights from a process perspective and from a journey perspective on tackling uh, root causes in, in a way more uh, efficient way. So this is the perfect example to, to do that kind of project uh, because you have so many data on your clients and yeah. on the different devices and so on. Yeah. And if you bring that together and, and put some intelligent algorithms on top of that, you can really yeah, improve the customer experience. Exactly. Yeah. exactly, because if you make, for example, the step now to mobile, we see for a customer, we know for a customer exactly what is a good experience now. We started as well measuring a lot around what is his surfing experience, what is his video experience, what about interruptions, what about stalling. So now we are starting to extend that as well to that domain. And I'm a very strong believer that again, this will help us to lead and pinpoint to things that happen here and there in the network. Eh, an antenna, a mobile antenna is 350 parameters to find you. 350. Yeah. But who says? that at that moment in time, eh, there are changes that are happening constantly, etc. If we can use now the insights that we're getting, not only from the network, but also from our customers mm -hmm. and what they really experience, and we bring all that together with intelligence on top of that, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure eh, that we will be e uh, even uh, able to further improve uh, what we bring to our customers as now an experience. This, this program uh, was an example or was part of a big transformation that you've done. Yeah in the IT of the mass market uh, yeah. segment of, of, of Proximus. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about the, the complete transformation program that, you, uh, that yeah. you have been gone through, that you're going through? Yeah. So the, the transformation program that we did was, was centered around what I would call uh, our mass market mm -hmm. uh, team, uh, where before, in fact, we had two different stacks. Uh, you know that uh, while uh, we, we kind of integrated uh, different capabilities, uh, so we had a mobile stack, yeah. we had a fixed stack, and also we still have our ICT, uh, ICT stack. Now, here in the mass market, it was about bringing together, in fact, the mobile stack with the fixed stack mm -hmm. to make sure that from a backend perspective, we become, in the core IT platforms, we go towards a convergent environment, yeah. which is uh, way more efficient and where time to market uh, and speed of delivering things uh, can be substantially improved. Mm -hmm. But as well, it went uh, hand in hand with a full redesign of what we call our digital cockpits. And the digital cockpits that we rebuilt mm -hmm. were digital cockpits first towards our external customers. Uh, so that was one X, but also 
towards our internal employees. And internal employees, then I'm talking about uh, the people in the shops, uh, the people in the call centers, sales call centers, technical call centers, but I'm talking as well about the people that you see outside in, in the vans and the technicians, where we wanted to give um, all our frontliners uh, way more uh, performance tools uh, so that they can, in fact, service better uh, their, uh, the customers. You wanted to give them one view of the customer, was that the...? Yes, so the ambition is, and, uh, and of course there it is still in progress, because what I said now, for example, all the information of the, the former uh, program, we want to inject that. That is now available in second line, but things like that, we want to bring that as well in the first line, mm -hmm. so that we give, in fact, our front-end uh, front, uh, people a full 360-degree view, mm -hmm. a multi-channel view, that they also know, yeah. in fact, what happened in maybe other channel, uh, channels as a previous step, so that the customer does no longer have to, have to repeat uh, things, that our agents have that end-to-end -end view from a journey perspective, but also 360 degree on all the things that, uh, that happened. Okay, great. Let's talk a bit about your organization. You have more than 3,000 people in technology. So how is technology, IT, and digital organized within Proximus? Yeah, so in, uh, in Proximus we have a, a framework which is called Strategy into Action, mm -hmm. uh, so SIA or SIA framework. And what we do in, uh, in this framework, we have in fact um, nine strategic clusters. Mm -hmm. yeah? And a strategic cluster can be about, for example, new services we want to bring to uh, our uh, mass market customers, new services we want to bring to enterprise customers. Uh, what do we want to do in, with data? Uh, so we have uh, nine clusters like that. And there's each time there's an executive member mm -hmm. that is uh, sponsoring such, uh, such a cluster. What do we do there is that we set the priorities. We say, okay, what are the important things to do in the next coming 12 months yeah. in this cluster? And a cluster is not is not a unit, it's not an organizational unit. It is really a cluster that encompasses end-to-end -end for the whole company uh, an, a certain uh, strategic domain. So there we set priorities. And, and there, of course, that happens together with uh, product owners, with, with benefit owners, with technical delivery owners and that are uh, sitting in these, uh, in these clusters. Once, of course, that we decide, okay, these are the things to do, then we go, of course, in a delivery model. And there today we have a combination of uh, agile and waterfall, mm -hmm. where our ambition is clearly that we go to one unified model, which is the agile mm -hmm. uh, way of working. So we're moving full steam ahead and uh, towards that destination. But today we're there still in uh, a, hybrid, a hybrid situation. We have um, a chief digital officer that is sitting in the digital platform, if you look at the digital platform, we have a chief digital offer officer that is sitting at the side of the business, mm -hmm. and we have a uh, delivery owner that is sitting at the side of uh, the technology team. Okay. So you're moving from waterfall to, to agile. How? I yeah. mean, you have a large organization, yeah. right? So how, how do you do that? Because that's yeah. not an easy thing. It's, it's yeah. a change in yeah. culture, <coughs> yeah. change in methodology, people yeah. need to work in a different way. How do you manage that? Yeah, we do it step by step. <laughs> <laughs> because there were the two things, but we will start running. Uh -huh. That is the point. Eh? Uh, we did it step by step. Eh? We, at a certain moment in time, we, had, we said, okay, the disruptive, the disruptive way of doing it, where we say, okay, 
uh, yesterday we were working X and today we're working in a full different way was not the thing we, we could. Because you have, you have to know we have uh, more than 300 technical uh, projects running in parallel. And so that is thousands of deliveries that need to happen in a year. So that is daily deliveries uh, that we have to bring uh, to the market in a, in a very dynamic market. So we said, okay, we're going to do step by step. And we started with the most uh, obvious place to start, which is in, in uh, the digital front ends. Mm -hmm. But uh, we are now, we're now having a, a pretty good maturity in, in how, how to do this. But now, indeed, we want to further extend to all the front ends. Mm -hmm. And for example, the ICT and what we do in ICT, what we do in staff and support, what we do towards network, people that are building uh, the fiber, uh, that are doing the deployment of the fiber. So these are the layers where we interact a lot with customers or internal employees. So there we are speeding ahead to move that in full agile. Yeah. But we've started as well in our core IT platforms, yeah, where we've started now in a first instance more from a technical perspective, but as IT is way, or also core IT is also way more moving towards platform-based IT, we also see a future where we want to bring the business even into the core yeah. IT platform, uh, prioritization uh, and drafting the way forward as well for uh, what is under the hood, what I would say. And so not limit ourselves to the front ends, because if we want to reach digital excellence, you also have to work on your uh, core IT components. And so how, how long do you think will take the, the complete journey from traditional to, to complete agile organization? Yeah, what is we, want to, we want to have by the end of the year, mm -hmm. the full plan approved at company level. Of course, we are moving ahead with the front ends, eh? and, uh, and then we're, we're giving ourselves uh, a number of months now because we want to make speed. Okay. Eh? The new kit on the block is speed. Speed to get this done, speed to react on the market, speed to be better than the competition if they launch something. So that is the new kit on and the block. And is that what you see as the main result of working agile? Is it, is it time to market? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, for me, it's the main result where it is really speed. But of course, there are other. We see where we work in agile. Of course, the collaboration, cooperation aspect is, is working way more smooth. What you see as well is satisfaction of people that in working in such an environment is, is really high yeah. Yeah, because you bring uh, more empowerment to the teams. You, of course, bring as well more accountability to the teams because of course it goes uh, hand in hand uh, both but you see that 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 people want this they they are willing to take that accountability mm -hmm. but they say uh, if i can as well uh, play a role in determining uh, how uh, we will be be doing things so there are a lot of other uh, positive side effects so what we have to do now is of course ensure that for all the projects that we are doing that we can do that prioritization, not only within a certain technical domain, but that the agile way of prioritizing will be done yeah. for uh, throughout the whole company. Now there's a shortage of, of IT talent in the market. How do you make sure that you attract the right top uh, IT talent in your yeah. teams? Yeah. Once they're in, it's okay. <laughs> 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 I think uh, one of the challenges that, that we still have is if we go to youngsters, uh -huh. or youngsters come here, 
then they always say, and it's, it's a comment we always get, Jesus, I did not know that you were doing so many exciting things. But the thing is that <laughs> we are really bad communicators. <laughs> as a, as a, or we, we are really, we're spending a lot of time in getting things in the air, and, but we forget communicating. And what we said now very recently with our team is that we said, we have to do way, way more. Because if we, the day we open up the windows and, uh, and we open the doors and people can come in, and at that moment they see all the exciting things that we are doing, yeah. then there is no issue anymore. I must say now the, the positive thing is that uh, with, because we, we recruited uh, a lot of youngsters uh, recently in the past uh, 12, 12 months, of course people know other people, so you have the word of mouth, but we have to do way, way more in, in better communicating. Okay, and once they are in, what is the general management style? How do you make sure that they stay and that they're happy and that they grow? Yeah. Well, the management style we have in, in the technical team is when, when, we, when we started with a new team, uh, we all read a book uh, to prepare for a workshop. Uh, uh, what you do when, when you build a new team, you go two days out. And, and the book was employees first, customers second. Mm -hmm. You might know it. And the book is about uh, inversing the pyramid. Yeah, so in, in a traditional organization, you know, you have a pyramid like this. And this is about inversing it. This is about the value zone, the people in the value zone. And who are the people in the value zone? It are the ones that are really bringing the value. Managers like us, we, we discuss a lot, we debate a lot, we are a lot in, in meetings, and then we go home and we say, yeah, but did we connect a customer? Did we convince a customer? Did we did put a new coding in place that gave a new functionality? Those are the people that day to day are working in the value zone. And inversing the pyramid is about putting those people at the top. Mm -hmm. And it is the management that is, in support. is there yeah. to support. To, make and to set the context so that they can be successful. Voilà. To set the context, to spot that sometimes there is a roadblock and that they cannot go fast enough to help in, in removing uh, that roadblock. But that is our management style. And we have that now uh, implemented throughout the whole organization. And these are not only our uh, development teams and our delivery teams, it are also our network operation teams, mm -hmm. uh, where we then do not apply agile, but we apply lean. Yeah. Uh, but where we create, in fact, self-empowered teams, they, of course, with an accountability, uh, for example, our fiber teams, great. Uh, so when we roll out in a city fiber, we say, hey, you are the team to deploy fiber here and to get the value in. Yeah. You go. So Just you empower go. people, give them lots Fire. of freedom. Exact, exact. Okay. Yeah. And so that is the way. So I and that is what, what people like. Of course, we have uh, an environment that also technology speaking is uh, is a candy store. It's I a big say. playground for <laughs> yeah. for it's nerds. Oh, <laughs> boy, yeah. Of course, it, it's it, it is like that. We and we are in a very dynamic environment where you you open up a journal each day, you read something where you say, okay. This is having an impact on us yeah. each day. So that is the environment that we're in. And, and of course we're doing yeah, many, many nice things. Yeah. Let's talk about diversity in your team. Oei. I understood that's still, <laughs> still a bit yeah. of work uh, yeah. there. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, the, for instance, the, the, the gender diversity yeah. is not very optimal, I understand. So That is true. I had uh, last week, uh, uh, we had a briefing session for yeah, 100, 200 people in, uh, in the technology team, and I was looking in the room, and I spotted uh, on 200 people, I spotted maybe 10 women in the room. So and why should women come and work for you in your team in Proximus? Ah, ah, that's Maybe good. we we could yeah, yeah. We, we can make uh, <laughs> we can grasp the moment. <laughs> yeah. um, first of all, I would say they have to come to us for all the reasons that I just explained. Strong empowered empowerment, accountability associated with it, and amazing dynamic environment. I think. Whether it's for men or for women, I think such a type of environment is something which is very inviting, I, I would say. But if I then think about uh, women, well, look at Proximus. Who is our CEO? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Ah, voilà, Dominique. Yeah. She's a woman. Who is our CFO? Which are nevertheless two important allez, steering positions. Yeah. It's Sandrine. We have an organization where we have, in fact, in our, uh, as a CEO and a CFO, we have women in there. And I can tell you that, and Sandrine and Dominique, they are really sponsoring as well to get, w one, more women into our organization, and yes, as well, please, in uh, the technical team, yeah. but that also that we are uh, looking at career evolution for women in, 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 in a very supportive, very supportive way. Because yes, we want as well into the leadership team, in fact, more, uh, more diversity uh, in there. So it is really uh, a team that is uh, very active mm -hmm. and, and, uh, in, in our organization and where we have very good sponsors mm -hmm. uh, to uh, uh, Dominique and, and Sandrine that are, that are behind this. So you are the CTO. What is the, today, the fundamental role of the CTO here in Proximus? For me, the, the number one priority today has all to do about getting more speed. Getting more speed in everything uh, what we do. And uh, of course, that is about a lot of things. Uh, so that is about knowing very well what is success. Mm -hmm. It starts with that. Because you can be running, but if you're running in the wrong direction, <laughs> uh, well, it takes as well time eh, to come yeah. back. And uh, so it is about together eh, with your with your business partners, making very crisp, being a digital reference. Yeah, but what does that really mean? What is what is the what is the the top of of of, of the mountain that we want to reach, yeah. and what do we find there at uh, the top uh, of the mountain? And then of course. Uh, defining the intermediate base camps, yeah. eh, how, how to get there. So, and the CTO has a role in there mm -hmm. to, to bring the people together, to make sure that, that, that the time is taken to really reflect on, uh, on those things. Second element is, and where I believe that is the, the changing, the new role of a technical team is about the guide. We should know the topology of the mountain. We should know if, if, if with, with this, this company we want to reach that point, which is 
which might be the best way how to get there yeah. eh, because we're screening the technologies. We've been in places where we said, hmm, here it's a bit too dangerous, that makes no sense. We have to create the map, yeah. eh, the architectural blueprint, where it's no longer anymore about uh, project-based, no, no, where, where it's about which are the fundamental capabilities. Yeah. Where you want to go, need. you need to set out a strategy to get there. We need to bring the, the blueprinting, which is kind of the, the topography, the topology of, of, of the mountain, and where we have to be a bit that guide that, that takes the people along uh, in that technical, uh, technical uh, landscape. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way to do it, the way of working, is together. Uh, and that is then in a lean, uh, lean way with lean teams or, uh, or with agile teams. But our role is no longer what I would call like it was before uh, yeah, the delivery owner, yeah, where requirements came in and then, okay, you have to build this. And so the role has significantly changed. Uh, you described your style of leadership. How do you, how do you make sure not only how do you manage people, but how do you make sure people follow you? Hmm. Because you want to go fast, how do you make sure yeah. they, <laughs> <laughs> they will follow you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my, st my style is, and uh, I did sufficient 360 degree feedbacks in my life uh, to know what my style is and what also the pitfalls are of my style. But my style is one of that I would call uh, amplifier, mm -hmm. which is about energizing. Yeah, so there's a lot of pressure things out there, but how can you translate that pressure into positive energy, into positive drive? Because if you want to win, if you want to succeed, it was with all the people that are out there in your team. Yeah, we can work an hour more, but imagine that you can, yeah, you can get the passion in, in the thousands of people there, out there in your team, and they fight every day yeah. and to do better, to become better, yeah, the power of that is way, way more. And okay. there you amplify yep. uh, things. We research your uh, MBTI uh, uh, personality <laughs> type, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're an ENFP. Yep, correct. ENFPs <laughs> are people-centered creators with a focus on possibilities, and they have a contagious enthusiasm for new ideas, people, and activities. They're energetic, warm, passionate, and they love to help other people explore their creative potential. Yeah. Does that resonate? <laughs> it resonates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed, it resonates well. Yeah, okay. yeah, it, yeah. And what, what, because what people tend to say about me is, uh, is for sure the energy, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, but as a pitfall sometimes a bit uh, too many ideas, injecting a bit too many. A bit be, can be overwhelming in the number of ideas uh, generating into his organization. So I know about that, that pitfall. I'm well framed around me with some people with uh, ISTG profile <laughs> that uh, compensate, yeah, uh, compensate for my pitfalls. Yeah. It's, it's important in your team to have different personalities, different yeah. skills, different yeah. focuses, different Correct. energies Correct. Uh, to, to make a successful team. Yeah. Right? So, and, and it's something that I'm uh, doing consciously yeah, so I have, for example, uh, an advisor next to me, which is mostly a very young, a, a young person that we grow him in the dark, feed him with shit and grow fast. Uh, that is a bit the, the concept. So that go along and I, I try to find that there are at least on, on some dimensions of uh, the MBTI, uh, really that, that I find they're a complement. 
and that is working extremely well. But can you explain that? Does yeah. every top manager has like a young assistant? No. no? Uh, uh, well, on the executive team, yeah. there are. Yeah, that is uh, mostly the case. Okay. Mostly the case. Yeah, that we pick somebody, and then for two, three years, that person is sitting in our uh, management team, and is in fact sitting next to the executive member and lives the files, lives the. The, the way of living, <laughs> I would say, eh, uh, some of the, the pressure mode, etc., of the executive member. But of course, it is an enormous uh, yeah, learning, learning opportunity. And, and you would typically select somebody with a complementary personality? I would, uh, for a part, yes, uh, I look at that. And if the candidate has that, that is always a very positive side. If it's not, of course, you have to counterbalance in, in your team. Eh? So for the whole leadership team, we, we, we look at the four quadrants, etc., where we see where people sit, and we try to be as diverse as, uh, as possible. Okay. Yeah. So what is, your, what is your personal mantra? What, is the, what are your, like your driving principles in your life and in, in yeah. your professional life? My personal mantra is about always looking ahead. And it's about uh, thinking possible. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm practically never looking back. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I hate it as well if people start to look back and this and that. Looking back is there for uh, learnings, mm -hmm. and that is good because you need uh, you need learnings to and and to reflect, etc. But we try to be and, and also together with my team always looking ahead looking solutions, looking, looking possible. Mm -hmm. What is possible to do better and, and, and to improve? And uh, yeah, I've, I've always had that. Um, and I believe it's, it's one of, our, of, of the strengths now as well of our team, mm -hmm. because of course you have a bit shadow of the leader and what you, what you inspire as a style. Yeah. And uh, now the thing is what we have to avoid is that uh, we, with energy and looking forward, <coughs> the risk and the pitfall is that you might start into action and start immediately in, in doing things. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had to learn as well that you sometimes before you start, you reflect well. But reflecting towards the future, uh, setting more crisp, yeah, what is success? What is the things that will differentiate? What will make the difference, etc.? Mm -hmm. And then up. Go, uh, go with the team uh, towards the yeah your your end goal. My my team members, yeah, your 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 motto they will they say it's go go go. <laughs> but uh, I've learned to say think and go go go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another challenge with people with your personality type is that you could be vulnerable to stress. Uh, and managing stress is something that you would have. You have learned. I mean, you, you work in a very public organization, two million clients, households, and you're in the newspapers and in the news uh, on, on a daily basis almost. Yeah. You have a big team, 3,000 people, 300 projects. So that must be a bit of a stress. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you manage that? How do you cope with stress? Yeah, the biggest secret there is uh, my carpentry. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, as a hobby, I'm a carpenter. Mm -hmm. So yesterday I also did some uh, <laughs> carpenting. For me, that is the, the way to really fully disconnect. Mm -hmm. 
because it's true, you have, of course, a lot of things that keep on running otherwise in, in the back of your mind, yeah. uh, just, just due to diversity of things that happen uh, around you. If I start doing carpentry, that's gone. And uh, because, yeah, you start with 10 fingers, you want to end with 10 fingers, you know? And these are dangerous machines. <laughs> you know, uh, one centimeter can make a difference here. Uh, so you have to be fully concentrated. And carpentry is also about, you know, if, if things have to fit, a millimeter counts. Yeah. Uh, so precision is, is, is of uh, absolute importance. So all your concentration has to go to that environment. And I. And I sense amazingly because sometimes I think I step to my workhouse uh, and I think, yeah, it, probably it's not going to work. And each time it does. And that, of course, helps because then you're disconnected, you're off, and you come back. And sometimes your best ideas are when you were able to, to fully, fully disconnect. So for me, it's that. And that helps, helps to bring balance. Very interesting. So that's where you can completely disconnect and, and get into the zone and in the flow. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but what yeah. you're saying is that when you're fully focused on the wood, uh, on an unconscious level, yeah. you come to solutions to uh, some yeah. of the business problems. The things disappear. Yeah. The things disappear. And then sometimes, yeah, things say, okay. You know, because you're doubting sometimes eh, between should I do this or should I do that? Because yeah. there are always pros and cons. Mm -hmm. And then you come out of that and you say, no, you know what? We'll do this mm -hmm. and we'll take the consequences. Yeah. yeah. You also told me that when you were younger, you took uh, acting lessons. You, you yeah. went to acting school and so on. Yeah. Talk, ab talk a bit about that. What, what did that bring you? Ah, yeah, that I can advise anybody. Uh, yeah, my best school was uh, theater school because when you are on stage, uh, of course you have to bring a message, but it's also the way you bring the message. Yeah, it is about, you know, not only getting the connection with people in the head, but, but trying to connect the pe with the people as well in, in the heart. I, I've took a lot of that with me. Uh, of course, from a communication perspective, feeling at ease on, on stage and, and things like that. Yeah. But mainly about, you know, conveying a message where you know who's in the audience. I often ask that now, from who's in the audience? And I tell my people, you are not on stage for yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah? Because sometimes I see people that come on stage to show uh, how good they are. To show off. To show off. Mm -hmm. I say, you're not on stage to show how good you are. You are on stage because you want to give something to the people that are in the audience. Mm -hmm. It is about them. No. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. It is, what if they go away? What have you, what could you give them that if they go away, they say, gee, you know, I took something with me. I and, and, I, and their theater is, is, is amazingly good for that because you know who's in my audience and I'm not there to, you know, it's not for me, I'm there for the audience and that they take something with them that afterwards when they take a glass and a drink, yeah, you know, they can have a debate on, on something that, that touched them 
And mostly when they talk afterwards about it, it's not only because it touched them here in the head, it is because it touched them in, in the head and the heart. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I can, yeah. I, I can see that one of your one of your best skills is communication, but not, not just communication, but communication on an emotional level as well. Yeah. And that you really get to people. Yeah. And that, that, that makes it different. And that is also your leadership style. Yeah. That you set the, the, the part, where are we going? How are we going to get there? And, and that you have yeah. a way to bring people along because you communicate on that emotional level. Correct. And I say that it's the best school because there is another thing that I believe is that if you want to grow in leadership, uh, positions. It is not needed to be a T-shaped person and to have all the skills. But I think there is one skill which is crucial. And that is if in the new world you want to be successful, you need to be able to touch people in the head and the heart. So it's the critical one. You know, it's a critical one. And, and then you can have some skills, some others not. Yeah. And it's okay. Because if you have some skills and you have the capability to touch in, in the mind and the heart, people will see your top skills. If you don't have that, you know, and then you can improve to become more T-shape, etc. Yeah. But it's it's the harder it's the harder way. And theater is wow. So everybody should do theater. Everybody, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so that's certainly something you would advise to younger professionals that have the ambition to be CIOs, CTOs, yeah. CDOs in, in, in the future, have leading uh, roles in large corporates, uh, be yeah. digital leaders, yeah. is to learn how to communicate on, on an emotional level as well. Correct. And that can be, it can be larger than theater, you can be a leader in the scouts, you can be et, et cetera, where also, but where, where you have to touch people and uh, to make them move and to, to make them reflect, to make them think about yeah. uh, something. Yeah. What, what other advice would you give future digital leaders uh, besides communicating on an emotional level? What other things, if you, if you reflect back on your own career of 25 years here in, in this house, what are the other skills, um, convictions, ideas, beliefs that are necessary to really uh, make a nice career? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's something we didn't prepare. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, what are the other things? Um, the necessary foundations today are about cooperation. It is working together with. It is about respect, of course. But respect in a way where you know where you bring transparency very fast that is what i see sometimes as well and what i've learned that um, people sometimes wait too long to really have a feedback session mm -hmm. you know and grasp any moment that you have to give feedback and get feedback do not wait not waiting for a quarterly evaluation, um, getting feedback from all the people around you. Yeah. Uh, and, there I, and, and that is something you need to learn. We, we call it here internally, we call it carefrontation. Carefrontation. Mm -hmm. So it is sometimes confront each other, but with a caring yeah. uh, behind it. So with a very positive intent. And 
it makes, it makes the other person grow faster and it makes you grow faster because everything now is about how can I grow fast? Because this environment is going so fast, yeah. so how can I grow fast? I'm also a believer that it's not necessary yeah, because I try as well to see um, you know, the positive things in people and to say how, because that is positive, they're driven by that, that is their passion, how can that become stronger? Combine that with a number of foundations and that can make a hell of a difference. As some people uh, put a lot of attention and focus on uh, what is hard sometimes for people mm -hmm. and the things to improve, uh, yeah, I'm more looking at what is the real big strengths in people and how can they become way more stronger. Because sometimes you have to make difficult decisions as well. I mean, yeah. you have a big team like that and that's not an easy yeah. thing for you, I can no, imagine. that is true. Yeah. Because you are not there to please everybody and you are not there to remain in status quo. Yeah. Yeah? And things change. Yeah. And you have sometimes to initiate the change. And uh, change is always difficult. Uh, we, were, we were wired, uh, and it dates from uh, way back, we were wired for ooh, something I do not know. It could be dangerous. I have to run. Yeah. I hear some, uh, some noise in, in the bushes. Ooh, run. It might be an animal that wants to eat me. And so change, yeah, we're, we're wired not to be happy about change. And, and yeah, we have a role to initiate change mm -hmm. and to say, okay, this is not evident, but we do it because we believe it will make us stronger, it will make us better. And afterwards, uh, many people even come and they say, yeah, you know, I had to convince sometimes people to change mm -hmm. and that they were really against it, I can tell you. Yeah. And it's not evident because then eh, you're interacting, etc. But that afterwards they said, Jesus, I'm glad. I'm glad I was pushed that I did it yeah. and I, I, I made the jump and now whew, it, it's, it enriched me uh, and so on. So yeah. Dealing with change, initiating change, is certainly something a leader has as a role. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it is something which is needed. And where my experience is that most people afterwards, they applaud it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about um, what drives you in, in, in your life. And let's take it from the anger from your children. You have a family, you have kids. What are the values that you want to make sure that your children take on in their life? What, is, what are important values for you? Yeah. Well, for me, it is about what is so crucial to me is respect and transparency. Mm -hmm. And that's really, and they know this. So <laughs> they just have to say the things like they are, you know? And, uh, and that is the, the foundation. The other thing is that and my, also my children, they, they have a lot of dreams and I think you should dream, mm -hmm. but you should as well know that to realize dreams, it is taking mostly <laughs> a lot of work yeah. and perseverance. Perseverance, not giving up, you know, because a journey is very rare that it goes smooth from the beginning to the end. You have hiccups yeah. and it is not to stop at the first hiccup. To say, okay, what did we learn? 
uh, how can we uh, reorient, etc., and how can we how can we move forward? Uh, so, and that is something I, I try to give them that. Uh, and do you they can do they take this advice? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I have good children. I must say it. Uh, <laughs> And I'm not going to say here a word about my son and my daughter and uh, my oldest, and et cetera, because they might see it later on on uh, LinkedIn or whatever. But, but that's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give them. And because it's like that, and they see that as well with me, eh? they see that, that sometimes, yeah. You, you, yeah Drive you, and energy and hard work is important. I, if, you, yeah, if you want to make something, uh, you have a dream and you want to realize, it is always, according to me, it is never falling out of the air like that. Um, yeah, energy, drive, and not give up. Yeah. In your professional life, who did you learn from most? Who were like your managers, your leaders that you looked up from, and what did you learn from them? Yeah. So what I uh, try to do is 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 learn from anybody, mm -hmm. from anybody. So each interaction I can grasp is asking for feedback, and I'm. I, am, I even asked you for feedback as well. And this was eh, long before, et cetera, that I said, people that, that, that know me as well from the outside, et cetera, what do they think? Yeah. Where do they believe that I can become better, et cetera? So I'm also actively asking uh, for feedback. And because I, I take that in, in the, the backpack uh, each time. But I, of course, had the, the luck to, to work for some yeah, great, great people that I, yeah, bon, can you name them and, and, name and what I you learned from them? If you want, I can name yes, a please. few. Um, like for example, in the beginning of my career, I had the luck to, to work for Bernard Delvaux, mm -hmm. who is not, uh, well known in, in Belgium, uh, but who learned me a lot about the motivational side and uh, how to get uh, motivate people, but also a lot around how to bring operational efficiencies and be creative and innovative in, in reaching step changes in operational uh, efficiency. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked for, for example, Dennis Carr, who was a person who said, yet you, you always have to spot in, in your organization the young talent that is out there. Go on the floors, spot the young talent, and you know, you pick them and you put them on an assignment that gives them visibility, that makes them grow faster. Mm -hmm. He's, he spotted me when I was uh, young and and I was somewhere in, uh, in, the, in one of the buildings of, of Belhacom at that time. He visited me and he said afterwards that it was on purpose that he visited me, on purpose, because he had heard about me. He said, yeah. I want to go there. I said, Jesus, the CTO is coming to me here and I, hey, I, I have to explain what, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. He sent me a note afterwards on that one when he left. He said, here, you know, because he then assigned me to to, to, uh, I did then the launch of ADSL in, okay, uh, yeah. in Belgium. And because he picked me there and he said, you're going to do this. And uh, he said, you know what I did there? Remember. And what I just can advise you is, do the same. When he left, he just sent that note. Because I didn't know till then yeah. that he came there on purpose. So spotting so high potentials in your that team. Is what yeah. uh, for I found that an enormous learning. And, yeah. and um, and then, of course, yeah, we have now uh, Dominique that, that you know. And what, what I learn uh, still today from Dominique is that Dominique always raises the bar. She is somebody that says, okay, here, your bar is here. 
And then you do everything to get there. And then you think, okay, I'm there. And then she says, okay, we're going to raise it again. <laughs> but, that's, but that is the, but yeah, you know, and what do I see? Yeah. I see that I'm saying, shit, it's correct. I can become better here and I can become better there. Mm -hmm. And you come to that deep insight, soms with what I call a professional trauma, where you say, hey, <laughs> I thought I was at that level. And then professional trauma, bang, the bar should be higher. Yeah. But, but then I'm somebody who says, okay, not looking back, what can we do to reach, to reach the bar higher? And then she's excellent in that. So yeah, you try to take those things along and, and then uh, to do something with it. What I would like to know here is what makes you really happy? When are you happy? Yeah, it's also an easy one. Eh? <laughs> and it's also what my boss says, what makes me happy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a builder. Building things makes me happy. Uh, I'm now building my fourth house, for example. <laughs> it gives an idea. Uh, so, uh, but I'm also building things with my hands. And I want to build teams. I want to build uh, networks. I want to build uh, digital experiences. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a builder. Um, and that gives me energy. Okay, great. Are there something else that you wanted to share with people that are uh, looking at this conversation that we have here? Oh, maybe one. I, I, uh, while we're here, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> per accident, eh? while we're here. Um, I wanted to say something and give you some feedback on, on, on CIO.net and maybe give a message as well uh, to the audience that might, uh, might see this. Um, as I said, this what, what I've been looking for throughout all my life is uh, interacting with people and getting learning something from their experiences and put that in the backpack. Ali, I want to congratulate you with the initiative on CIO.net mm -hmm. because you know I'm uh, actively participating mm -hmm. at uh, a lot of sessions and I was actively participating at the startup of the peer groups, yep. which were um, yeah, amazing opportunities and are still each time where you interact with, with colleagues uh, on all type of challenges, uh, where you can do this in a very respectful climate, yeah. uh, where there is full transparency, but where there is as well trust. Uh, because uh, if you look at the concept, for example, of peer groups, yeah, we sometimes discuss there about yeah, organizational things, uh, and, and, and we try really genuinely and that, that you feel that as well that all the positive intentions are there to become stronger all of us yeah. i would say and i can only advise that uh, the people that are out there and that are not yet joining our group that uh, they are very welcome yeah. and uh, so for you a community is a, is is a place uh, where you can yeah, learn where you yeah. can connect where you can build relationships of course yeah. so for example we also launched um, a while ago, a talent hub in Ghent, mm -hmm. where we are on the campus of the university. Mm -hmm. But the idea behind it is as well, there is a whole innovation scenery there, and it is connecting. It is stepping into a community, stepping outside these towers, yeah. and go out there and interact with others. Yeah. Allee, lately, we were at uh, the VRT yeah. Yeah, with, uh, with CIO.net, 
So I've been talking there afterwards, eh? and if you see there as well, what is happen happening there in, uh, in the VRT, also how they see the future. If you see how uh, now they have to do the recording, for me it was, uh, Chad, what can 5G mean in such a context? Eh? Because now I'm wired all the way, uh, even for the, the cycling, they have to be with the helicopter to make sure that there is connecti <laughs> connectivity uh, everywhere. I did, you know, it was when, when the people explained that you said, huh, interesting. And then you started reflecting, how can, what could we do? How can we do better at our side? So it's each time an occasion where if you're in a community, also the startup community, you learn an enormous number of things. Also you connect, mm -hmm. you create relations. Uh, and in life, uh, yeah, also relations are, are important. Last thing that you told me, you, when you were in uh, high school, you played in a rock band. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you played the guitar. <laughs> Why the hell did you do that? What, what gave that to you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, what gave that? So, uh, of course, uh, the music uh, on itself. But the fun thing about being in a rock band is, uh, is the Friday evenings, it's the Saturday evenings, it is... Uh, putting all the gear in the van, it is uh, driving to uh, wherever, putting everything ready, do the sound checks, and then, yeah, and then, and uh, then the get the message, get yeah. the message over, yeah. Yeah, it was an amazing time, mm -hmm. amazing time. So you sh should start the band again, no? Well, I have not forgotten to play uh, the guitar, but it's been a while now. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> maybe we should do a CION and band. Yeah, well, maybe a CION and band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Let's okay. maybe do that. Yeah. Geert, thank you very much for this conversation. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think this was a great uh, example of uh, how, uh, how you lead this organization, how you're the digital leader, the CTO of uh, Proxima. So thank you very much. With pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.